How can a young person stay on the path of purity? By living according to your word. I seek you with all my heart. Do not let me stray from your commands. I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Praise be to you, Lord. Teach me your decrees. With my lips I recount all the laws that come from your mouth. I rejoice in following your statutes as one rejoices in great riches. I meditate on your precepts and consider your ways. I delight in your decrees. I will not neglect your word. Thanks so much, Marsh, and good morning, everybody. Uh, I'm so encouraged to be here with you this morning, and I'm excited to open up this passage with you. I've really enjoyed meditating on Psalm 119 the last two weeks, and I hope that we'll be blessed as we look at it together. Let's pray again as we do that. Let's ask God to help us. Lord, with the words of the psalmist, we say, praise be to you. Teach us your decrees. As we meditate on this passage now, we pray that you would cause our hearts to delight in your word and in you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, it was an exciting day for me and for my mate when he moved out of home into a share house. Uh, But a few weeks later, I went round for a visit and I realised that the excitement was fading pretty quickly I didn't realize as a kid, but my mom liked to keep things at home very neat and tidy. She ran a tight ship. And I thought that was normal, but as I walked into my friend's share house, I started to realize not everybody lives like that, especially not 18-year-old guys. So I managed to find a path down the hall, and I past the lounge and, and there was a smell coming out of it which made me think maybe there had been some green smoke in there recently. But we got, we got past that, we made it to the kitchen and as I stood there in the kitchen chatting to my mate, I started to notice the big rubbish bin. We're talking, you know, the 60 litre full-size black rubbish bag rubbish bin, which is genius, isn't it? Because you don't have to empty the bin as often. Um, but Although that's true, it also means that the raw meat and the other food scraps that you put in there, they can stay for weeks. And they get all nice and sweaty and stinky. Now, don't worry, I'm not up here this morning to tell you to do your housework. But I do want you to ponder this for a minute. If your heart is a home, what's it like? What's it like in there? Is your heart more like my mum's house or my mate's share house? And the reason I ask that is because our passage this morning is really all about our hearts. The basic idea is this, what goes on in here drives what happens out there. What goes on in here drives what happens out there. Which would be well and good if what was going on in here was a whole lot of love and peace and godliness. But to be honest, that's often not what my heart home looks like. I can present fairly well to others, but inside it can be pretty stinky. There's a lot of thinking about what Reuben wants. There's a lot of sulking about what Reuben didn't get. 
There's a lot of wondering about what people think about Reuben. And the Bible gives names to those ugly things that live in my heart. Pride, selfishness, greed, lust, envy, bitterness, jealousy. And I can honestly say, I don't, I don't like that about myself. I want to change. In fact, I got pretty excited last week when we started looking at Psalm 119. I got excited about the idea of walking in God's ways. If, if you were here last week, you might remember what we saw in verses 1 to 4, the, the blessed way to live this life where God's at the center of your life and you're growing in your love for Him and you're following Him and He's, he's helping you to obey Him. I want that. I hope you do too. But we kind of left last week, we left verses 1 to 8 with a question, how can we actually start to live like that? That's the question that we bring with us into this passage, verses 9 to 16. How can we walk God's ways? And the answer we're going to see is that it's really all about the heart. Remember that big idea? What goes on in here drives what happens out there. And if you're anything like me, that's not great news because these heart issues are really hard to deal with. There are sins here that are very hard to evict, aren't there? But today, the writer of the psalm is going to tell us about a cleaning product that actually works. Now, that makes me think of a TV commercial, um, you know, this gross, black, slimy shower, and then this amazing product, you spray it on, one single wipe, and it's instantly sparkly clean. Well, the cleaning product we're talking about today is not that easy. I'm sorry. It actually takes quite a lot of work to use this product effectively, but the results are worth it. So what is it? Let me give it to you up front, and then we'll unpack it together. Here it is. I think a guy called Herbert Lockyer, he hit the nail on the head. He said, these verses are all about making our hearts a home for the Word of God. Making our hearts a home for the Word of God. Now, remember Christianity 101, don't forget this. We can't clean ourselves up. God does it. But how? How does God clean up the mess of our hearts? Psalm 119, takes 176 verses to say this, says God does it through His Word. We've got two points this morning. This is the first one. We need God's Word. We need God's Word. Hopefully you've got a Bible open in front of you. If you do, read verse 9 with me now. How can a young person stay on the path of purity? There's a question. It's practical. How? By living according to your word. Just notice with me for a second that it specifically talks about a young person. I didn't plan the ministry spot with the convention just before, but God did. Why does he talk about a young person? Well, I think the writer of this psalm probably was a young person. He's probably a young man at the start of his life. And he's realized that there's no better time than right now to start walking with God. And young people, it is pretty easy to think, yeah, I will get to God soon. I will be more committed to God and the Bible and the church soon but I've got plenty of time to do that, haven't I? And right now, I'm pretty swamped with just working out who on earth I am 
and what I want to do, and I'm just trying to lock down some key things like education and a job and a house and a, and a spouse and family and, and a car. And do you know what God says? He says, you've got it back to front. Do you remember the basic idea? What happens in here drives what happens out there. You, you've actually started setting the direction for your life already. Your habits today are already shaping who you will be tomorrow. You can't just leave that stinky rubbish bin in your heart and hope that it won't get stinkier, that it will magically clean itself up. That's not how it works. And so the psalmist says, don't wait. And I can't say how encouraged I was to see young people at the front this morning saying, yes, I am, I am giving my life to the Lord now and I am living for Him. It's so wonderful. But it brings us back to our big question, how? And the answer was there in verse 9. How can a young person stay on the path of purity? By living according to your word. By living according to your word. How do Christians have a relationship with God? How does God change us? How does God grow us? Through his word. It is not through some sort of mystical osmosis. It's not through dreams and visions. Unfortunately, it's not through sitting down and just having a coffee with Jesus and having a chat because he's in heaven. It's not trusting your feelings and your intuitions. It is always through the scriptures. The Bible entering our eyes and our ears, applied to our hearts through the Holy Spirit, causing us to see Jesus and to love him and to want to obey him more and more. That is what changes us. Don't get me wrong. God is always the end goal. We don't worship the book. We worship the author. Do you see how the psalmist has his heart set on God? Skim through there with with me. Verse 10, I seek you with all my heart. Verse 11, I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Verse 12, praise be to you, Lord. This is the goal, to have God, to have Jesus Christ. And so that does need to be the goal of our quiet times and of our children's and youth ministries and of our growth groups. Not just to have more Bible knowledge and tick a box, but to have Christ. If that isn't the end goal, we, we see this. We see Christians, we see churches that have this empty, dry faith and it's intellectual and it's legalistic and it's do-goodish without any true joy in Christ, any true marveling at what He did for us on the cross, any true obedience, which is actually motivated by love for Him. So God is the goal. But the Bible is the only means to achieve that goal because we know God through His Word. That is the dominant message of Psalm 119. Any ministry at Riverbank that is not firmly rooted in the Bible will be ineffective. If there are only some fun activities and some sharing of our opinions... And some discussion that kind of hovers above the text without ever really digging in to see what it says. Never really chewing on the meat. 
it won't bear fruit. And the same is true for us as individuals. John Piper said this recently, and it hit me pretty hard. I'll read this quote. If you don't read the Bible daily, and don't memorize the Bible in part, and don't linger over the Bible and meditate on it and remember it and muse on it, if you don't steep your mind in it, the best you can hope for is a weak Christian life. I don't want that. I don't want a weak Christian life. I don't want to be knocked flat by every setback. I don't want to keep losing to sin again and again. I don't want to doubt all the time whether God still really loves me. I don't want that. And so, so we join with the psalmist in verse 12 and we say, I need the word. I need to be taught. I can't do this alone. I actually don't know everything. Teach me. And what a teacher we have, right? The absolute best teacher. You know, most of the time, the teachers that we have at school or wherever, they're telling us things that they once had to learn, things that someone else once taught to them. And you know, occasionally you might have the privilege of learning from an expert like Einstein, and he will tell you what he discovered firsthand for himself. But God is on a whole other level. Because he didn't discover or learn anything he created it from nothing. He's not the teacher who says, look at this amazing discovery that I made. He's the teacher who says, yeah, look at this amazing thing that I made from scratch. Let me tell you how I designed it and why. That is a great teacher. It's our first point. We need God's word. God wants to evict the sin that lives in our hearts. He wants to remove the mold and throw out the rubbish Help us to love and obey Him. The only way that will happen is through His Word. That's our first point. But, exactly how? You know, you can't just take God's Word and treat it like a piece of flat pack furniture from Ikea that you dump in your lounge room, just dump the box down and just go, there, done. Oh, that's nice. No, you're not done. You have to assemble it. How do we take God's Word and actually assemble it in our lives? How do we make our hearts a home for the Word of God? Not a hotel where God's Word occasionally comes to visit, but a home where it lives. That brings us to our second, our final point. We need God's Word stored deep in our hearts. We need God's Word stored deep in our hearts. The key idea, I think, is there in verse 11. I have hidden your Word in my heart. Or you could translate that, I have stored up your Word in my heart. Squirrels store up nuts for winter. Uh, People prepare for apocalyptic events like Y2K. You might remember that by building bunkers and buying supplies. And Christians get busy storing up God's Word in their hearts so that they will stay on the path of purity, verse 9, so that they might not sin against God, verse 11. Notice how practical all of these verses are. Verse 11 talks about hiding or storing up God's Word. I think it's particularly talking about memorizing Scripture, something that Christians and especially kids used to do a lot of, something we did this morning. 
So that in that moment, when you need it, you have it. And it's ready to go. And you just roll it out. Verse 12 says, teach me. It's talking about studying and learning. Verse 13 says, with my lips, I recount all the laws that come from your mouth. That's talking about speaking God's word out loud, I think to ourselves, I think to others. Or actively recounting, repeating biblical truth in song, in conversation, in Bible study. Verse 14 says, I rejoice. This is about celebrating how good God's word is. We sing about it together. We remind ourselves that it's more precious than being rich. It's more precious than any pirate treasure you could find. It's more precious than having everything in the whole world. And then in verses 15 to 16, we come to some words that I want us to particularly focus on, just for a few minutes. Verse 15, I meditate on your precepts and consider your ways. I delight in your decrees. I will not neglect your word. And the reason I want us to slow down here is because meditation is something that is talked about again and again and again in Psalm 119. So it's obviously something very important. But what is it? American pastor David Mathis has suggested that Christian meditation is perhaps the most misunderstood and most underrated of the disciplines in the church today. What is it? We might think it's to do with sitting cross-legged and emptying your mind. But that's not what the psalmist is talking about. The second part of verse 15 helps to explain the idea, I think. I consider your ways, or, or I fix my eyes on your ways. In Colossians 3.16, Paul tells us to let the word of Christ dwell in us richly. There is a way of having the word dwell in us richly. So Christian meditation is not emptying your mind, but it's actually focusing and filling your mind on heart-warming biblical truth. Pondering and reflecting until what happens? Until verse 16 happens. Delight. Delight. You know, at night, when you get cold, and so you go and pull the doona up over you, it doesn't instantly make you warm, does it? But I hope that doesn't mean that you immediately get annoyed and go, oh, far out. And you go to the cupboard and you just get three more blankets out and stack them all on top of you. No, you understand that you need to wait a minute or two to let it warm up, right? And in a similar way, we sometimes read Bible verses, like a verse about God's amazing love, and then we just kind of get annoyed because it doesn't instantly warm us up. It doesn't work, we say. You know, I've got all this Bible knowledge. I can tell you about justification and sanctification and predestination. It doesn't help. I've grown up in this church. It doesn't work. The Bible doesn't work. It didn't work for me in 2022. Well, if I put a mouthful of food in my mouth and I just swallow it whole and then complain to you that it's not very flavorsome, it's not, it's just silly, isn't it? Because I... I haven't chewed it. And really, meditation is chewing on God's Word. 
you're reading along and some verse or some idea or some nugget jumps out at you, right? Maybe you're in the Psalms and you come across that phrase, which is there a lot, the Lord is a a refuge and a fortress. And all of a sudden you have a choice to make, an active choice to make as you're reading. Will I say, oh yeah, that's nice, and keep reading? Or will I pause and chew on it? until I really start to feel some of its significance and its beauty. Maybe I could memorize that verse and take it into the day with me and keep pondering on it. And I suspect this has got a lot harder since the rise of modern technology. I don't have any cold, hard data for this claim, but I would hazard a bet that since the advent of smartphones and social media and streaming services, Christians today spend less time soaking in the Scriptures than in previous generations. I don't think I need any extra data for that. I'm, I'm happy with that. Because we're always rushing, aren't we? And we do three things at once. And our attention spans are getting shorter and the content we're consuming is getting more and more stimulating. How can a young person stay on the path of purity? By living according to your word. I have hidden your word in my heart. I meditate on your precepts. Remember at the start I said that the cleaning product we're talking about today isn't quite like that shower spray in the TV commercial? It takes effort to apply it. There are no hacks, there are no shortcuts for meditation. The psalmist here is determined, isn't he? I I think maybe the ESV translates verses 15 and 16 a bit better. I will meditate on your precepts. I will delight in your decrees. This is intentional. This is someone who says, no, I'm making a plan and I'm going to set my alarm earlier to make it happen. In my own experience, spending quality time in God's Word has always been a struggle. My whole life, it really has. Still today, almost every morning, I kid you not, I hear a little voice in my head that says, I probably don't have time to read my Bible right now. Maybe I'll just get started on a few things. If I clear my inbox, I'll feel better and then I'll get to it. And I won't. I was raised in a Christian home. My parents always encouraged me to be in the Bible and I always found it hard. I was too tired in the morning. I was having too much fun in the evening. I tried every type of book and reading plan and none of them seemed to fix it. But I think that's the thing. I think that's what God has been teaching me. There is no quick fix. There is only going back again and again and restarting and recommitting and fighting for what you know you cannot live without. I think that's it. You know the smoking campaign, don't quit quitting? That is genius, right? Don't quit quitting. Because the hardest part about quitting is the discouragement that comes from failing again and again and again. You just reach a point where you get sick of being a failure and you just throw it away. But you know what? The more that you walk a path, the easier it gets to walk. You know, if you go out to the bush and there's no path at all, that's where some of you are at right now when it comes to Bible reading. There's no path. You're starting from scratch. You're listening to the sermon, you're thinking to yourself, ooh, I do not do this. I really don't. 
I don't do it at all. And that's okay. It's not too late to get better at this. But just realize that the first time you walk out into the bush, you might need to bring a machete. You might need to be prepared to put in some hard work. Satan would love to distract you and to discourage you and to have you saying, it's too hard. I'm really not getting much out of it. I read three days in a row. I didn't get, oh, hasn't changed my life that much. It's not bringing me much joy. But what happens when that little trail through the bush starts to grow? When you walk down it again and again, day after day, the grass gets trampled, doesn't it? The undergrowth sort of starts to get forced back just a little bit more. Slowly the path gets a bit easier to find and a bit easier to walk down. And soon you won't be bush bashing through it at all. You'll be running. You'll, you'll jump into God's Word more eagerly and you'll start to see things and you'll make connections and you'll think, oh, I was reading that just the other day. That's so interesting. And you know what really helps to make the path wider? Is to bring a friend with you. I mean, why not get a few people together with machetes and make it a road trip? That's what I would love to see happen this year at Riverbank. Really would. That we wouldn't just beat that path alone but that we would travel it together and that together we would go deeper and further into God's Word. Ask someone to be your growth partner, to just meet up once a fortnight for an hour and read the Bible and pray together. Join a growth group, attend it consistently and be blessed as you chew over God's Word together. Yes, there is private work to be done. Each of us in our own lives, I think, need to be reading and meditating and memorizing, but we also need each other. We need to dig into God's Word together. We need family devotions. We need preaching. We need discussion. We need accountability. If you're heading into 2023, you don't have a growth group. You don't have a growth partner. And you don't have anyone really in your life who you sit down and just read the Bible with and chat about it. That concerns me. Our big goal is here in verse 11, I think, to store up God's Word in our hearts. I find this a struggle, but it is starting to get easier for me. I'm, I'm learning. I'm learning a lot. I think I'm learning not to focus on ticking the box, read my however many chapters, but just to feed my soul. I'm learning not to just look for application of, all right, what do I have to go and do today? But first and foremost, to focus on God and to marvel at His promises and, and His grace and His power. And his work in Jesus. And I'm learning that every Christian needs to store up God's word in their heart. But we're all going to do that a little different. Different things are going to work for different people. Some will prefer to read it. Some will prefer an audio book. While they're at work maybe. Some will need a Christian book to guide them through it. Others will just, just open up the Bible. Some might enjoy having some Christian music to help them focus. Others will prefer solitude. Silence. Some are happy sitting in their chair in their happy place with the coffee. Others will want to be walking and driving. That's where they pray and meditate the best. Don't get legalistic. Just keep coming back and finding what works. The goal is to meditate on the scriptures until it warms our hearts. Do whatever it takes to experience that. And do you know what else I'm learning? I'm learning that I'm not alone. As I meditate on that verse, something is happening behind the scenes. Something mysterious, something powerful 
The Holy Spirit is at work. Jesus called the Holy Spirit the helper, the spirit of truth. And he's given to us, especially to help us understand the Bible and to see and to love Jesus and his glory. Which is the end goal, isn't it? To marvel more and more at how loved and blessed we are in Christ. That even though we're wicked sinners to our core, God loves us. And he sent his precious son and he died on the cross. He paid the price for all our sin. There's nothing we can do to earn God's love. He washes us from our guilt. He adopts us as his children. And we get the privilege of living with him and living for him. Now and forevermore. That is the central message of the whole Bible, and so I think that should really be the focus as we meditate. Jesus should be the one that we ponder and worship and enjoy. And on our own, we can't do it. None of us, right, can clean up our slimy hearts. It is a share house full of tenants who are nigh impossible to evict. But we are not alone. When we put our faith in Jesus, God himself moves in. And he starts cleaning up. He wants your heart and my heart to become a home of peace, of joy in all circumstances, of godliness, of holiness. How will that happen? Through his word. We need God's word, especially we need it stored up deep in our hearts. Let's pray together now and let's ask God to help us with this. Lord God, we need your word. Most of us who've been alive for more than a few years know that we struggle to walk close with you on our own and we struggle to change our own hearts because we're sinful all the way through, Lord. And so we're so thankful that you've come to help us. We're thankful for Jesus, your son, who's done everything that's needed to wash away our sin and to give us new life. And we're thankful for the Holy Spirit that you put into our hearts to help us. Thank you that we're not alone. Thank you that you've given us your word and that it's, it's with us every day in our hands, so easy to read. We think of Christians around the world right now who are in a jail cell with no Bible and the only scripture they can think in their heads is whatever they committed to memory before they went in there. Lord, we thank you that we have this treasure trove at our fingertips and we just pray that we would learn more and more to delight in it and to meditate on it. Lord, free us from our our legalism, our workishness, our desire to just tick boxes. And for those, Lord, who just feel like they've failed so many times, they've been to the Word so many times and And it hasn't given them what they hoped it would and they're tempted to give up and move on and look for something else. Oh, Father, I pray that you would draw them back and through your Holy Spirit, give them spiritual discipline and routine that leads to spiritual riches and a deep maturing love for Jesus Christ. We thank you for Jesus. We pray this in his name. Amen.